Happy Resurrection Sunday, or should we say Happy Easter? Welcome to the Truth of the Matter Is podcast. This is episode number 46. I'm your host, Daniel, and I'm here with Jonathan. First off, we would like to begin by recognizing and appreciating all of our new and consistent listeners. We thank you all in advance for continuing to press play at your own convenience. Let me bring the man in himself today and see what exactly is on his mind. Jonathan, what's going on? I'm doing all right. You know, today's Sunday, beginning of the week. And, you know, was reflecting based upon what has transpired from last week to this week and I was also thinking about an episode that we did in discussion I think it was called what we may take for granted Mm -hmm. and we were talking about Good Friday and whether or not you would be using that day as a day of reflection or would you use that day as a day of celebration and I said I felt that today Sunday Resurrection Day don't really like to say Easter but Resurrection, Resurrecting Sunday is a day I think is for celebration. And then you gave me a different perspective. But that's what I was actually thinking about this week. Even though there's a lot to get to today. But first order of business is let's spend a little time reflecting on our first ever guest here on the Truth of the Matters podcast. So let's give ourselves a round of applause. His name was... Pastor Roy Docker, and the conversation was a little over two hours plus. If you tuned in, or if you're still desiring or interested in tuning in, I believe you'll be blessed. Now, I know me and you both spoke about having a guest for the longest, and it was finally done. It was finally accomplished. We did it. Obviously, I believe there are a lot of things to think about few lessons that can be learned along with our listeners from this experience but you do the honors of going first man what were your thoughts with the interview the honest thoughts this is the truth of the matter is we want honesty here so what were your thoughts of having him oh it was nice to play the background set up conversations and just in general have a perspective from somebody that's not me or you and somebody who can attest to how they felt about God, the world, and just, it was a very fun conversation. I felt like it wasn't really a structured conversation or really a serious conversation, but it was one that allows other people to see how the Bible impacts their lives, and I just thought it was a fun conversation, to be honest. Okay, any negatives? No, not really. I enjoyed it very much. You sure? Mhm. Well, I've got some negatives. You know, that's the brink of you know that's the break of bad news. But I don't think when I say negatives, I think in every instance, a situation, a conversation that you have with somebody else, or a predicament that you're in, there are a lot of positives that you can get out of it. But there are also some negatives that you can get out of it as well. And I think it's what you do with the information provided to you. How do you 
respond? How do you come back better? How do you make adjustments? How do you improve? I think that's the most important thing. So I have a couple of things I wanted to discuss about the interview. So I thought it was interesting that he was an actual pastor. Now, the thing is, most pastors, not all, most pastors don't really mingle with regular people outside of their congregation. So most of them usually have conversations, but it's more of you have to set up a meeting, an arrangement, and it's usually within the confinements of a limited time. He was generous. He gave us well over an hour to talk. But in most instances, when you're speaking with pastors, for you to even get to the point where you can have a discussion with a pastor is very limited. For the most part, they portray themselves to be individuals that are beyond approach, for the most part. And most of the time, you only hear about their thoughts, opinions, and ideas within a sanctuary aspect, right? So you go to church, you're sitting far away from them. You really don't get physical contact with them at all, right? A lot of them are so used to teaching, but very few of them are more are less interested, I would say, into having discussions. So that's at least what I've pictured my experience or I've seen the experiences of others with pastors. Okay. Well, I'm glad you said your experience because I would like to think that everybody's not like that. Well, it depends and, on the know. it depends on the size of the church that you're attending. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying on normal, on average, I'm pretty sure a lot of us would like to interact with our pastors, right? Have a relationship with our pastors. Unfortunately, a lot of people who don't have church homes and are viewing pastors from an online experience or YouTube experience, they don't really have the opportunity to have that relationship. They usually get someone else that isn't them. So I'm like kind of painting the picture of both sides where you have the access to talk to a pastor on a regular basis versus one who's never spoken to their pastor at all. You know what I mean? So that's what I'm kind of speaking to, that for us to be able to engage and talk with a pastor is very rare unless you have the storefront churches or the churches that are extremely small, which gives you free access to kind of speak with them, you know? That's interesting because I would think that... um. As long as you're an active member of the church. And like I said, this isn't me going off a personal experience. This is strictly Mm -hmm. just uh, uh, what I would think or would imagine. I would imagine if you're an active member of the church, you know, you you attend services not only on Sunday, but, you know, some churches, even local ones, will have like some type of uh, church meeting or even mm-hmm. extra services on like a Wednesday night or a Friday night. I've seen that happen sometimes on a Tuesday night, or they may have some type of community event. If you are a part of the church, whether you know the choir or you're like a deacon or something of that nature, I would imagine as long as you're active in the church, uh, you're part of like the singles ministry, etc., you would get to interact with the pastor. But I mean, Just for that thoughts. longer period of time, probably not, right? Um. That's what I said. That's what I would think, but I can't say for certain. Yeah. So 
there was a few things he said that I thought was interesting. Now, obviously, the interview and any interview in the present is designed, like he said, to give people an opportunity to see how the word of God has blessed them, helped them in their personal lives. Because that's really what our podcast is about. It's about preference. It's about giving perspective. It's about people to see how the Bible can transform and change the way you think and operate. And we just wanted people to see how him being introduced to the Bible. Well, he, from what I remember, he's always had some sort of reference of access to the Bible. It was just he looked at it in the context philosophically as if, you know, Jesus was a great philosopher, but him being God in flesh was something he later was revealed to. Like he got revealed to that information. The most important statement was he made about not being accessible or interested in or exposed to YouTube, right? That he doesn't do that. He doesn't watch YouTube videos. And and I want people to know that education shouldn't be limited, right? There's a method to our madness, which is why we believe references help reference our understanding of the Bible. But more importantly, you know, I just don't want people, you know, to be limited, like by not hearing someone else's desire to express how something has changed their life per se, right? So don't limit yourself by hearing someone else's desires to remain ignorant. Or if we take it a step further, don't allow someone else's preferences to influence you. Do things your own way. And if you ask me to some extent, Doing things your own way can be dangerous thinking, right? And I just don't want people to think that one perspective is the only way. There are various different perspectives. And I also don't think statistics, right? I think he said he listens to podcasts that are strictly based upon statistics. And I think we can all say, especially within the black community, statistics don't tell the whole story either, right? They speak about black on black crime. It's the most effective and knowledgeable crime out there. But there's so many things going on and there's so many statistics that are slighted. So I just don't think we should be undervaluing opinions of others and their personal experience that play a role in their change mentality. Right? I think we ought to be respectful to what people have to say and how they express it. And I think the most important term here is discernment, right? Being able to discern, because when I asked him specifically about how he feels about how some influencers out there that provide information and knowledge on various subjects, he kind of cast it aside, right? That, yeah, I don't really want to listen to that. And all I'm saying is we could be discerning, right? We could discern and we don't know how influential someone else's statements may be on us right so that's that's pretty much the gist and i wouldn't want our audience to think that you know being accessible or listening to youtube if they do right it's a bad thing or a negative thing or something they should throw away but i think we can discern what we listen to and don't completely shun it out any comments on anything i said I think the m- most major thing I would say is that um, my experience was a little bit different. And okay. I think it's good to have critiques of things. But as I was having a conversation earlier during the week, um, 
one thing I was expressing to uh, a friend I have a very personal relationship with is that when you trust yourself to be able to navigate information, sometimes you can just listen and understand, but you don't necessarily have to judge or discern because you will be able to maneuver and navigate through the situation as it comes to you. So you can do the same thing with information where you're digesting a perspective or you're listening to a perspective and you can kind of just accept and resonate with it or not resonate with it, but still understand where it's coming from. And that's how I felt about having our first guest on was I wasn't really looking to see if there were, you know, specific things that it was like, oh, I agree with this, not this, this part, not so much. But I was just listening. And I was the main thing for me was as a person who was, yeah, I was hosting it, but I was also digesting the information from both of you guys as well and seeing either how you shared a similar perspective on something and while other things you may have uh, differ or had a different response to, sometimes you came to the same conclusions. That was the biggest thing for me was just hearing uh-huh. two people have dialogue and just enjoying it and seeing two perspectives come together. So I wasn't uh-huh. really looking to discern. Yes, that's important in some scenarios, but I just like having a conversation. Yeah. And I just like the fact that it happened. So uh-huh. that was me. Okay. That was yeah, that's 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 just the biggest thing is that sometimes when people hear an opinion, they think it's gospel, right? And then some yeah, people yeah, hear Wabbit. I say, yeah, that's that's a that's a for sure thing. Yeah, Whereas, so like, you can get mm-hmm. uh, too much information, mm-hmm. and then uh, you just accept it as your own. Especially if you're ignorant to anything that's being talked about, and may play in a point where it's um, how do I say? It could come to a point where you just take the information. Sports is a great example of this. Uh, somebody could hear a take on ESPN or something. And mm-hmm. automatically, you'll hear the same opinion regurgitated um, or everybody having the same take because this was the first opinion that they heard on the situation. But they don't really have any true experience with, you know, the event or what took place. And now that is known as the truth when if you watched it and was able to judge it for yourself, uh, you can have a completely different perspective. So I totally agree with that. Okay. Yeah, so that's that's pretty much it. I think the conversation was great. I just want the listeners and people out there to have their own perspective. Take the time out to filter and receive information. And as our mom says, eat the meat, throw away the bone, right? All right. That's the most important thing. That's that's what I was hinging on. And and my favorite verse of them all in the Bible is I believe it's first Corinthians A two. Right, those who think they know something don't yet know as they ought to know. Always be open to learn. If you ever get to a point where you feel like you have everything or you know everything, and I'm 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 saying this because that you know when you speak to some influencers or some pastors, they give you that vibe, like there's nothing you can teach me, there's nothing you can share with me. Even there are some parents like that, but I just want people out there to be open. Always be open to learn. Never limit you know, yourself. I feel like uh, just 
to jump in real quick. I feel uh-huh. like that's kind of dying with the newer generation, you know? Say that um, one more time. I said, I feel like that perspective of I'm above um, receiving new information. I feel like as more as we're in the information age, that's dying, you know? That but there are some older people that I think that carry that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Perspective. The newer generation. Uh-huh. They don't really carry that that same perspective. I feel like that that uh being above reproach, I guess that's the best way to put it. That sense is kind of dying because people are more receptive now to information. So okay. I think we're heading in the right path, you know. I'm okay. At it on the bright side. But it's always good to have a reminder. So I just want people out there to, <laughs> you know. Be just just remain open, as my brother have said that he believes that that perspective is dying. But you know, remain open, remain optimi- optimistic about everything that you hear. Make sure you filter it out. The things that you can take away and the things that are no good or diminishing or degrading to somebody else, and press forward. So till next time, hopefully, we will have a. Another upcoming guest, whenever that is. And, and I and I kind of want to get some regular Joes in here, too, right? People that live every day who have, or who are walking in their own faith walk and operating and moving, maneuvering, you know, with the things that God has given them. Obviously, the platform is not as large, but we are all part of the body of Christ and we all have a story. And you never know. There could be a story out there that you hear. That can motivate you, encourage you, inspire you to do better, to change, and to press forward. But um, yeah, let's let's move forward past that conversation. Yeah. Um, today is Resurrection Sunday, and some call it Plano Easter. Jonathan doesn't like that, and I don't think we really talked on why you prefer Resurrection Day instead. Because it's Easter. The term Easter is attached to a pagan religion. Right. Okay. Resurrection is specific, right? It's simple and yet powerful, right? So today is the day that God raised our Savior from the dead, right? Today is the day that Jesus placed his faith in one of his fellow persons of the Holy Spirit. Today is the day that God provided us proof that he conquered death, right? Today is the day that we can be thankful. Right, we can be thankful and give God all the glory, honor, and the praise. Today is a day that we should appreciate God's plan for humanity. Right, today is the day that we know God to be a truth teller, not a liar. Today is the day we acknowledge the reason for the season, right, and the reason for today. Right, one text of scripture that I think sums it all up is First Corinthians chapter fifteen, verse one through forty-nine. Right, but before we get to that, I think. The way we communicate things is is extremely important. And I think same thing with the term Good Friday and the perspective we have when we spoke about it. Good Friday, to me, kind of comes off as a day where people go out and party, where anyone who's familiar, right, if we're not being on the specifics of the exact, that you know, the actual day and everything, it's literally the day. That Jesus became the sacrificial lamb. That they went in, then they arrested him, right? And they tortured him. And he died. And from that day until Sunday, there was a lot of hope 
less hope than expected, right? A lot of them thought that was the end. And then God gets the victory and Jesus is risen today. So that's the reason why I think we should be acknowledging more as an act. He was risen. He has risen, right? He is resurrected today. Easter, mm, right? The technicalities, the language, the communication, the way you want people to interpret it, sure. But Resurrection Sunday is a bit more powerful and a bit more direct. And it has a bit more of a story in relation to our faith. And that's the reason why I prefer Resurrection versus Easter. Cool? Sounds good to me. Okay, so let's go to First Corinthians chapter 15. And before we get into prayer, I just want to go over this. And before we get into what we plan on talking about today, I think this is important that we recognize this specific text. So it's First Corinthians chapter 15. And I know it's a lot, Daniel. It's verse 1 through 49 in the English Standard Version. That's where we're going to look at it. And I'm going to let Daniel take it away. Now, I would remind you, brothers of the gospel, I preach to you which you received in which you stand and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believed in vain, for I delivered to you as first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, last of all, as to one untimely born, he also appeared to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preached and so you believed. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. 
If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people must to be most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all died, so also in Christ shall all be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ, the first fruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end. When he delivers the kingdom to the God, the Father, after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For God has put things and subject under his feet. But when it says... All things are put in subjects in subjection. It is plain that he is expected who put all things in subjection under him. When all things are subject to him, then the son himself will also be subject to him who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all in all. Otherwise, what do people mean by being baptized on behalf of the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptized on their behalf? Why are we in danger every hour? I protest, brothers, by my pride in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die every day. What do I gain if, humanly speaking, I fought with beasts at Euphesus. If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Wake up from your drunken, your drunken stirper, as is right, and do not go on sinning. For some have no knowledge of God. I say this to your shame. Be someone will ask. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? You foolish person, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen and to each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For stars differ from star in glory. So is it with the resurrection of the dead? What is sown to be perishable? What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. 
It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus, it is written. The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven, as was the man of dust. So also are those who are of the dust, and and as is the man of heaven. So also are those who are of heaven, just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. Yeah, so Daniel, great job. I know that was a lot to read, and I know that was a lot to listen to, but Paul is making statements that are straight to the point, right? Sometimes there is no need for an explanation. Right, the, the scripture can stand on itself and speak for itself, right, along with no remarks. So let's pray before we get started with what we plan to talk about today. Something brief and simple yet powerful. But before we do that, let's pray. And I'll pray us to begin. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for what you did for the whole world. We appreciate you. We love you. Honor you. And acknowledge you for being the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. We honor you because you became the sacrificial lamb who took on the sins of the whole world, died not just for the Jew, but also for the Gentile. Therefore, whoever believes will be saved. Some who haven't discovered the truth yet have time. What makes you God is you know the state of man and woman. You knew that some would be skeptical. However, because you died once and for all, until you decide to come back, we were given a gift. And that's unlimited opportunity for people to change their mind in time. You understood that there are those who are blind by darkness and can't see at the moment. There are some who have decided to remain in ignorance for a season. But it's because of your grace. It's because of your mercy. It's because of you. Who is God, full of first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth chances. There's still hope for many. There's still a chance. We thank you in advance for thinking of us while you were on the whipping post. While you carried our cross and while you were nailed to the cross. You had us in mind. Human beings have a tendency of not thinking ahead. But you definitely thought of us seeing past what could be comprehended and limited to us lord on the other hand you were thinking about generation after generation after generation that is to come and therefore we say thank you lord and we acknowledge you lord in jesus name we pray amen amen Yeah, so we are continuing with the Gospel of Luke series. And we're going to look at two verses. Yep, two verses today. 
That's all. Just two. And it would tie into everything that we spoke about earlier, I promise. So let's look at Luke 17, 5 through 6. We are going to be looking at this the English Standard Version, then the Message Bible. And I'll tell you why. The Message Bible here is very important. So let's look at the English Standard Version first. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you had faith like a grain of mustard seed, you could say this to the mulberry tree. Be uprooted and planted in the sea and it would obey you. Now let's look at the same text in the message Bible. The apostles came up and said to the master, give us more faith. But the master said, you don't need more faith. There is no more or less in faith. If you have a bare kernel of faith, say the size of a poppy seed, you could say to this scamore tree, go jump in the lake and it would do it. Yeah, so the reason why the message Bible is so important here is because it addresses the concept of what I would call faith portions you see you have a sort you have a you there's a there are different sorts of ways you can measure something right you have to sort of ask yourself can we measure faith to a sum right the reality is in our society we have a habit of measuring things for good reason right to see if we are lacking or having too much of something Right. We measure in different approaches, whether that is in inches, right, centimeters, feet, yards, height, weight, just to name a few. That's just that's just not how faith works. Right. That is just not how faith works. There are two episodes we discussed about faith that I encourage you to check out in your own time. One of them is episode five, and that's faith is a reason trust. And the other one is episode 22, active faith and startling discoveries. When it comes to active faith. Right. We looked at individuals who were active in exercising their faith. Based upon their actions, their faith was on full display. In episode five, it was more about your why, right? It was more about your why. So in order to understand why and what is your why in faith, we look no further than our world and what's going on in it, right? Chaos is mounting. Division is stirring. Peace, we are far from it. Individually, no one is perfect. We are all struggling on so many different levels, from those who have nothing to those who have plenty but feel empty. If there's any chance for change, we need to come to grips that humanity is in a fallen condition and we need a savior. Today is Resurrection Sunday. We are actually, those who believe, are honoring Jesus Christ and his glory. Because he has been risen. When it comes to building on your faith, you read the word of God. And then we can pull out reasons why we can have faith in God based upon other people's testimonies. Which means you are not alone. There are many of us that we can learn from. Now let's take a look at the whole of faith. You know, I've spoken so much about it at nauseum in Hebrews. I believe it's chapter 11. Right. There's a list of individuals who have placed their faith in God and were victorious. Right. And here are some examples. So we're going to go to another long text here. We're going to go to Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to read one through 40. Daniel. 
Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their accommodation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commended him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, God was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found, because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he reward those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, and reverence, fear constructed a ark for the saving of his household. By this, he commended the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive a inheritance, and he went out. Not knowing where he was going, by faith he went to live in the land of promise. As in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaacs and Jacobs, heirs with him of the same promise, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designers and builders is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age. Since she considered himself, since she considered him faithful who had promised, therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, was born descendants as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but have seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esuth. For by faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mentions of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, 
was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of the Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had encircled had been encircled for seven days. By faith, the rabbi, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient, because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? For time will fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, because became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. When women received back their dead by resurrection, some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to be a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Since God has provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Again, uh, very mouthful. Thank you so much. The takeaway we can have after being exposed to this hall of faith is we don't know how much faith they had or how little faith they had. They just had faith. We can't measure what's inside another man's or woman's heart. But we know they had enough faith to take the chance. Most importantly, God knew they had faith, which is what he wants from you. Here's another rude awakening. The devil isn't after your joy. He isn't after your money. He's after your faith. He wants to poke holes in your reasoning to have faith in God. So when you don't read your word, you're doing Satan justice. When you go on your own way, Satan loves it. When you deny truth, Satan applauds you. When you stay away from your word, you're open to attack because you have no encouragement and no renewal. 
Let's look at Romans chapter 14, verse 1 in the NLT first, then the message Bible. Just the first verse. Accept other believers who are weak in faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. Now, let's look at this in the message Bible. Welcome with open arms, fellow believers who don't see things the way you do. Welcome with open arms, fellow believers who don't see things the way you do. And don't jump all over them every time they do or say something you don't agree with. Even when it seems they are strong on opinions, but weak in the faith department. Remember, they have their own history to deal with. Treat them gently. Yeah, so when it comes to the essentials of the faith, I think we have to agree. What are the essentials of the faith? Well, whatever is non-negotiable, such as faith in only and the only way to please him, the him is the Father, which is God. There are three distinct persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the Holy Trinity. Right? We all created in God's image, so we should love God and we would lead us to no one else. Right? God came in the flesh and his name is Jesus Christ. We should be sharing and spreading the gospel, which is the good news and the simple answer could be found in, you know, John three sixteen, First Corinthians five twenty one, Ephesians two eight. It's all about highlighting the truth of God's message. Now, there are things that are open for discussion that are really culturally influenced and yet aren't biblical. But I believe God won't uproot it. And, you know, it shall remain. But, uh, but can you give us an example of one of those? So the way we have church, right, the concept of praise and worship. Culturally, there's a spin that's put on, that's unique in every culture. God doesn't put handcuffs on us, right? We have the freedom and full control. The only request is that... We worship him in spirit and in truth. You see? So to sum everything up, um, taking us all the way back to Luke chapter 17, verse 5 through 6, in a few sentences, for the listener, what would you say? Our ability to confidently trust in God and his power is all stringent on having faith, which isn't something we can measure, right? God isn't concerned about how much or how little your faith is. He just wants you to know that you have it. If you're confident and it abides and your faith is as small as a mustard seed, God hears it and will acknowledge it. If you quest with an agreement with the will of God, you will be blessed. Believe it. Right? It's going to happen. Therefore, it all starts with today, right? Believing that Jesus died for your sins and that the Father has risen him as because of him you have life and you can have it much more abundantly now right today is the lord's day right and i think that's the most important takeaway that you can have right oh, anything man. you want to add no i think that was beautifully summed up all right so let's end with devotional time I think since it being Resurrection Sunday, it's 
a pretty good time for us to try to unite. Of all people on earth, Christians should remove racial discriminations from their thoughts. Yet, some Christians struggle to embrace this truth. I would say people in general struggle to embrace this truth. Because God doesn't discriminate based on the color of a person's skin. Yet, as believers, we often divide ourselves from each other based on how much money we make. Or where people live, their location, their heritage, their culture, their language even. But in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28 through 29, it says, In Christ's family, there can be no division into Jew and non-Jew, slave and free, male and female. Amongst us, you are all equal. That is, we are all in a common relationship with Jesus Christ. So it's important to know that Jesus' sacrifice was for all of mankind. He said he brought salvation to the Jew and the Gentile. That's everyone. He even loved the Samaritans, an ethnic and religious group that the Jews called half-breeds and went out of their way to avoid, as in everything. Jesus is your example of how to live and love, how to be united amongst others, how to bring others together. Jesus said his love was for the entire world and he didn't make any exceptions. So you shouldn't. God has a family and when you don't exclude people, it's larger than you think. And also you unite people into that family. You make people a believer of that family. So I hope this simple prayer helps bring everyone together, gives you the aura, the energy to bring others to the spirit. God, help me to love others the way you love them, the way your son loved people when he was on earth. Help me to love all the people you've created. In your holy name we say, Amen. Amen.